Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We might be bursting into song and dance because this week we're watching Season 6, Episode 7, What's More With Feelings? Uh, or What's More With One Feeling, I mean. Uh, make sure to subscribe to hear all the Buffy content and give us a rating. I am your host, cartoonist De- Dennis St. John. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself in any order you want? Well, my name is John Landis. I am uh, the one who's on this show often. Hi, this is Travis. Nice to see everyone today. Hi, my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to Season 6, Episode 7, Once More With Feeling. Awesome. That's all of us, guys. So let's get into Once More With Feeling. But first, we're going to do reactions from the Season 5 finale, The Gift. Audience Reactions. And we're going to start with a reaction from Silver Spike. Um who says uh, you can still like Spike's character? Uh, you can still like Spike's character and be critical of it, and that's uh, quoting us. Well, duh, you don't say. Of course, I'm critical of him, but amongst some people, the old double standard bit often comes out uh, to play, giving other characters a get out of jail card where they don't apply to him. Uh, I don't know what they're referring to there. <laughs> uh, this is another. You're amazed Spike didn't push her for sex in this. Seriously. You didn't seem to be able to get the feel of the scene of the writer's intent, you're, uh, if you're asking this. Shame. Um, Spike's reaction triggered my reaction. Another quote from us. Yeah, same here. When Spike cried, I cried. Um, and then uh, Silver Spike gives a personal side here. Uh, I love Chris Beck's music for the end tower scene so much that I ended up using it for my mother's funeral. A beautiful, quiet piece that now brings a tear to my eye for two different reasons. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. Yeah. Sorry for your loss, Silver Spike. Yeah. Mick Bouchard uh, uh, says, I don't have anyone to talk about Buffy with, so I'm living vicariously through you guys. Keep up the great work. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Start your own uh, podcast, Mick. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just continue to listen to us. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Garrett Thatcher uh, returns to say... Uh, uh, ask, what do you guys like and dislike about Buffy Season 5? And now you've seen all of Angel Season 2, which is which is the better of the two shows. Um, I feel like everything you like and dislike about Buffy Season 5 is a big question. Uh, but we could get it, maybe answer these a little. How do people feel? So we're comparing Season 5 of Buffy to Season 2 of Angel? Yeah. I think Season 2 of Angel is like got like more consistent highlights i think they spend so much time in season five with glory and it's kind of a blah character at the end compared to what it could have been though i mean the last episode of buffy season five almost redeems everything wrong with season five which is messed up that it should you know but it has it's a good ending and good endings are important season two of angel is just like a wonderful exploration of that show and those characters i mean it's got gun who's great it's got the pilea stuff 
I mean, it's really phenomenal fun, but it's also off the wall. I mean, yeah, so season two, Angel, more consistent fun. Season five, Buffy, amazing ending, can't argue with. And I enjoy the Dracula episode more now in retrospect, but it seemed super corny and weird uh, to start. But man, just Giles murdering Ben, Stone Cold, so good. All right. Yeah. How do, do you, the rest of you guys want to add in? Oh, just, I mean, yeah, what you said. Season five is, it's a I, it's really hard to argue with something that's that classic, right? Yeah. It starts strong with the Dracula thing. It ends strong with the gift, and it has the body in the middle. I mean, it, like, televised entertainment doesn't really get much better than that. So it's a high bar. But season two of Angel's great. Yeah. I feel like uh, the reason season two of Angel works so well is because it balances so well with Buffy. Because, like... Buffy season five, especially the end, is like a real like it's a downer and like it has some like amazing but downer episodes. And then Angel season two is like surprisingly light. Like they go to Pylea and they live in the light. And um, I really like that the two shows balance off of each other this this season. And I feel like that's something I want more from television. It's like people thinking about kind of creating that. Trev, how do you feel? Yeah, I think I think Buffy has much more like highs and lows. Like when it comes to like the the drama of it, it's much less lighthearted. Season five, although see, Glory is probably my favorite uh, bad, like big bad um, since The Master. Like Glory is a great, great evil. Like finally they had a good big bad compared to season four. Angel season two is pretty close to perfection. Um, I mean, Angel season two is extraordinary extraordinary because of where it goes the different episodes are usually all extremely high quality and yeah you get you get i mean the, the end of season two you never would have even imagined at the beginning of season two um angel season two is so strong it's so strong so i can definitely see if people like angel season two better than buffy it's more of a different than better that's my opinion um do I rewatch Angel season two more than Buffy season five? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Uh, Garrett also asks uh, for Kelly. Uh, just curious, does Kelly watch Angel two or just Buffy? Um, and I don't actually have an answer for that. We can send this out to the ether and see if Kelly answers. I know she watches Dollhouse uh, and uh, Serenity, so I don't know. But I don't know if Angel has made the list or not. Um, and Sagoff9 says, uh, only Anya remembers the wish, right? Uh, just on that, it shouldn't count as an apocalypse they refer to. Oh. But they know that point. the wish happened. But anyway, yeah. All right. So let's, uh, in case you don't know which episode we're going to review, let's listen to a summary of it. The Summary we're finally here. It's the musical episode of Buffy. The episode that's so much fun to sing along to, we almost forget what the story is about. Xander and Anya sing about their secrets. Giles thinks Buffy should really be on her own. Dare discovers that Willow belongs in the friend zone and Spike demands to be left alone. And in the final confrontation, Buffy reveals her truth. She'd prefer being dead to fighting demons. Who's responsible for this mess? Is it Dawn? Is it Xander? Who cares? Spike and Buffy share a real kiss. <laughs> and now let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. 
Yeah, my, my favorite, one of my great lines, it isn't a, a musical line, is just um, Don comes into the magic shop in the beginning and she's like, you wouldn't believe what happened at school today. And then someone's like, oh, you broke into song and dance, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I gave birth to a pterodactyl, which is just such a great kid response, like over the top. And then Anya's like, oh my God, did it sing? Like, oh, Anya, you're so precious. God, I love Anya. But I love that I gave birth to a pterodactyl. It's like, that's a great, uh, that's just a great like response from a kid. Um, so for, for my great lines, what I did was I singled out two scenes uh, in this episode. This One of the cool formal experiments that this episode has that I really love is they have these, constantly have these scenes where characters are talking over each other. But the way that it's mixed, you can, it, they guide you to focus on one character or the other while the other one kind of babbles on in the background and they keep doing this. And so what I did was I got um, a, 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 as good a transcript as you can get of what they're saying in the background because it's really easy to miss unless you've watched it a million times. Uh, and I really wanted Michael to hear uh, some of these lines that are being said in the background that are just super easy to miss. So I thought we would do a, a choral reading of this uh, first one. Uh, I'll do Willow. Uh, Travis, you do Giles. Uh, Dennis can do Tara. And Michael, you're going to do Anya. I'll do Xander. Okay, uh, Willis starts by saying, uh, we thought it was just us. It was bizarre. Well, I, I sang, but I had my guitar at the hotel, and I... Uh... We were talking, and then it was like, Buffy, like we were in a musical. That would explain the huge backing orchestra I couldn't see and the synchronized dancing from the room service chaps. We did a whole duet about dinner last night. And we were arguing, and then everything rhymed, and there were harmonies in the dance with the coconuts. <laughs> there was an entire verse about the couscous. It was very and then disturbing. Xander, Xander says it's very disturbing. Uh, I just that's excellent. Uh, I love Giles's bit about the backing orchestra that he couldn't see and the synchronized dancing from the room service chaps. That's great. That's a really great like. I want to see that scene, but it's better that I have to imagine it. And then there's another bit um, where uh, it's uh, Xander and Anya and Giles all talking about like what they're going to do and what's going on. And then Anya uh, has this great line that just fades off in the background. I think while you're listening to the uh, the like car parking song and uh anya says it's like we were being watched like there was a wall missing from our apartment like there were only three walls and not a fourth wall and my toes aren't hairy <laughs> yay it's good stuff so many good lines in this episode they don't even have to like let you hear all of them yeah. <laughs> uh i chose another uh fourth wall breaking line uh this is from buffy she goes don's in trouble must be tuesday um, yay. That was so funny at the time. Yeah. So, so I actually have like a copy of the lyrics from the Buffy Vampire Slayer record behind me here. So from the sleigh bill, the, the line that I really liked from Under Your Spell, sung by Tara, uh, which totally like eyes popped out of my head line is, uh, I break with every swell, lost in ecstasy, spread beneath my willow tree as she floats uh, horizontal, <laughs> uh, up above the bed uh that is eye popping awesome thanks mike you're welcome all right i find her interesting a... because uh she sleeps above her covers <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks bankman preteen <laughs> preteen john that's great <laughs> all right let's do the kill count The kill count. We got three dusted vampires, one stabbed demon, 
I'm going to count the three little wooden boys as killed. Um, and at least two people killed by being danced to death. Uh, but it could be more. Uh, all right. Let's uh, move into Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. All right. Did you guys um, notice like the weird 1950s vibe? Like to be the, We have a new intro actually, right? Like a new intro graphic. Yeah, what's it? What's it called in a musical where before it begins they play like the theme, the prelude or the overture? Yeah, thank you. There you go. Overture going on. But I, I, yeah, I don't think all. I don't think it needs to have a 1950s vibe, but it was certainly fun. Like, and now that's like boomer nostalgia central. But yeah, it does look like a Nick at Night show. Just that opening, (laughs) which is great. Nothing. I mean, I like Nick at Night. So. Right, that, that's how we connect with boomers, is being aware of Nick at Night. Oh, uh, and now Nick at Night is playing the shows from when we were kids, right? Are they? Oh, no. Sure, they're playing Friends on Nick at Night, right? No, oh. that, probably no, Are no, You Afraid no. of the Dark, right? Like, <laughs> Horrible aside, that, I watched Friends recently, because I was like, you know what? I didn't, did a whole I always on. told everyone, I always like didn't like Friends when I was younger, but it's probably because I was like trying to be, I was like, you know, 13 years old and I didn't want to be uncool and tell people I liked Friends. Maybe it's good because everybody likes it. And I watched an episode of it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed teenage John didn't want to like deal with Friends. So he said he didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, yeah. Teenage John was definitely very concerned about being, you know, mature and intellectual. And nothing not liking like, nothing like things. nothing like this current John. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this just adult John has sold out all of his interests now. Uh, if only, and I'm just kidding. But I gotta tell you, Friends is not good. Doesn't hold up. Okay. Yeah, but it's always relevant because people are more and more are living with their friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's in like gigantic apartments in Manhattan. Forty percent of people under thirty-five apparently live with more than you know. Don't That's just live true. with their partner. I mean, it's That's crazy. True. So it's always relevant, but I thought that the, I think the writing's usually good. It's just really misogynist, and all the misogyny of that era—the casual misogyny of like men can hit on girls and women have to pretend to be virgins until they have the the door is shut behind them or something—that one had so much surprising sexuality. That's why I think anyway. Also, it was like fantasizing about living in fucking New York with yeah these amazing apartments, well with a barista job. Anyway, welcome to uh, Friends Virgin. <laughs> I would totally watch an episode of Friends. <laughs> what a major commitment. It's um, too much. So one cool thing about the Buffy musical uh, is that if you can get a version of it that I managed, the version I, I watched for all the Zoom and Enhance, uh, the sound is in uh, 5.1 surround sound. And if you isolate just the center channel, uh, you get just the vocals. So you get this acapella version of the musical and it's kind of amazing to just to watch. I watched the entire thing that way once. It's great <laughs> and super weird. Yeah, you played right before you played a little bit for us and it was great. And I really wish we could share it here, but I feel like that would be immediate copyright takedown. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's di- Maybe it's different enough it wouldn't hit. Who knows? Probably not worth the risk. But it's super interesting, especially to hear like um, Xander and Anya's vocals being as weak as they are without the musical backing yeah dang dang Anya. uh it's like mike has a request oh yeah just a close-up of tomorrow's bride just the magazine on the counter scroll down michael your wish is my command yes 
Tomorrow's Bride, uh, good prop magazine. Uh, best bit is the uh, um, the article, How to Have a Champagne Wedding on a Beer and Nuts Budget, which I feel like <laughs> is a good article for Xander. Although but, apparently uh, Xander's loaded. Have you seen his apartment? That cover girl looks like a trash like sorry that's mean it looks like a more <laughs> it looks a little like uh glory is what i meant to say oh yeah i was Ooh. i was looking at that i'm like oh man why didn't they just hire the the actress for glory like you know uh i'll remember her name in a second yeah that's a missed Mercedes opportunity Mer- is that it no that's yeah. um uh that's uh oh vampire um oh yeah say- that's uh, sorry <laughs> Well, anyways, that's a total missed opportunity, like to have gotten somebody else. Dang, they're not. They were. They didn't anticipate the zoom in and enhance back in two thousand one. <laughs> it was a simpler time. <laughs> I think it's probably the era of zoom in enhance. <laughs> uh, as a CSI, like uh, you know, yeah, kind of true trope. Oh yeah, zoom enhance, zoom enhance. X-Files. Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State with Will Smith was a real zoom in the hand. That's a good right. movie. <clears throat> yeah, that they do like they yeah because they, they get the the, uh, the security footage, the of, satellite uh, footage, and all yeah. this, and they're just like. Anyways, yeah, um, they, uh. <laughs> John. After all these years, I still feel like your tastes are arbitrary but angry. <laughs> well, it's an arbitrary defense of the mainstream, and it doesn't make sense when it happens. I it's just a really didn't good expect movie. you being like Enemy of the State, amazing movie. Fuck everybody. Yeah, I, I did not see your love for Enemy of the State, bro. Like that doesn't That's make a really any good, sense. No, it's a great movie. Is there like a weird supporting character in that movie with Will Smith that we secretly like? Uh, I mean, I like all those like uh, Tony Scott movies where, um, like, uh, it's like uh, you know. There's, there's, there's like a whole there's a, there's a genre of these like um, huge budget uh, sci-fi action movies uh, where it's a black guy and a Jewish guy against a big unseen force, right? Enemy <laughs> um, of the State is one of them. Independence Day. Independence Day is is another one. Yes, and uh, Deja Vu. Deja Vu is excellent. Anybody saw Deja Vu? No, I'll add it to my watch it's, list. Um, it, it's uh, Denzel Washington and uh, uh, Adam Goldberg. Dude, I think I've seen that. Let me see. It's really good. And there's time travel. Ah, hence the deja vu. Yeah, it's a good movie. That is a good movie. Um, I just wanted to say a shout out to, um, we did a live watch along for this episode. And so thank everyone who was there to watch along with us. Uh, You can't watch it along now because um, 20th Century Fox issued a takedown notice for that video because we watched with the audio uh, for part of it. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for joining along and watching it with us live. Um, and, uh, if you did watch it live with us, just leave us, you know, let us know if you, you really enjoyed that. If you want to do that in the future, that would be really great to know. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for showing up and talking with us. Yeah. And for those who watched it live, we might be saying a lot of the same stuff again this time, but no, uh, we're sorry, but it's been many moons. So maybe <laughs> you won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and you certainly can't go back and check cause that video ain't there. Um, <laughs> I like how the beginning, like, there's a whole day where stuff happens that we don't actually see. Like, you guys noticed that. It was just like, like, the over, like, all that, I don't know. It's great because then they can reference that day, but it's also like, dude, let's just start the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. Whatever.
Did that bother anyone? Or just like no, that? I like it. I think it's I think it's it's good because like I you know uh, it's yeah it's all Let that stuff imagine. that they have in that that dialogue we read earlier um, is uh, I think it's sort of a case of it's more fun for you to imagine it than for you to get another song. Right. Yeah. And I, they, I really they like couldn't that. spend the money <laughs> on any of those sets to do it. <laughs> or so the time. Like, <laughs> like this episode is long and it often it gets cut for time all the, like when it's when yeah. it's broadcast. Yeah, I'll admit I wish I knew what what was left on the cutting room floor. That could have been on the DVD, but anyways. Something with coconuts, we know that. <laughs> and couscous. Um, All the song, like most of the main characters' songs are like, you know, big theme songs for them. They're like, like this is encapsulating what I'm feeling. But then we get all these like side songs that are like about mustard on shirts and stuff. So I get the idea that a lot of the songs we missed from them were their more like incidental humor songs. And like, instead it's background characters getting those, you know. And uh, when we first get into the magic shop, Xander is sitting at a table full of books that are open. I already assumed, I've seen this a billion times, I assumed they were already researching the singing, but no, dude, they were just open. They just like they, books. They're just like books that are open. Admittedly, he's playing with donuts. Yeah, he's doing but... a Magnolia, Magnolia bit. Which yeah, that Magnolia reference. Even Anya, <laughs> even then, is like still funny. Like <laughs> this joke is already tired now in two thousand one or two thousand two. Uh, imagine how we feel in twenty twenty about. Magnolia Michael, did you jokes. get the Magnolia reference when you saw this? Was that recent enough that you had any idea what they were talking about? Where's the Magnolia reference? Jeez, I just flipped a switch. What? Xander's holding a, a phallic donut and a vaginal donut, donut, and he's like, "Respect the crawler, tame the donut." Oh my gosh, that's the the Tom uh, Tom Cruise character yeah, from Magnolia. Yeah. Whoa, no, actually, oh. I wrote a comment which I deleted, which is like, "What's up with the donut?" Because um, <laughs> I didn't want to seem dumb, but now I know that it wasn't dumb. It was Magnolia. No, no, <laughs> it's still it's still pretty dumb, to be quite honest. Perhaps even dumber. Well, it's also put together like it's a martial arts joke, too. So it's like disguised with a layer of weirdness. It's like a persistently weird sexual joke that that, that is just strange. Like, I don't know why it's... I can't believe that made it into the freaking episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> it you is weird. It's so, like, of the moment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, it's you also know... Like, it's also like, where were all the other dick jokes in the previous five seasons? Like... Also, like, if you're going to, nowadays, if you're going to do, like, a Paul Thomas Anderson food joke, it's going to be about milkshakes, right? <laughs> Wherever he is now, Xander is making milkshake jokes. I don't want to Let's move it along. I don't want to <laughs> know anything about this joke about milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, the, they got the mustard out. That guy is David Fury, who uh, is a writer and producer of both shows. And the first time we saw him in the Angel verse, or in the Buffy verse, He's an angel as one of the goat sacrificers for Wolfram and Hart. Uh, so this is his second appearance, second of more. I don't know. I, I, there, you could make a little headcanon that like the guy who was doing the sacrifice moved to Sunnydale and got caught up in the... He got out. <laughs> he got out only to get wrapped up in another magical town. Yeah. That's like, I'm going to move to Sunnydale. I'm going to start over. I'm not going to deal with any of this magics or cult or anything. It's like... His second day there, he's like wrapped up in some mess. Like, God, yeah. If somebody's moving out of LA to get away from the magic scene and they move to Sunnydale, they made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's so many magic towns in California. Um, (laughs) Speaking of magic, is everyone bothered by Tara's superfluous use of magic during her song? I guess it's just her song to Willow. Yes. Like, I'm not. I mean, obviously, she was. 
you know, she was chastising uh, Willow just a moment ago, but of course she's forgotten, um, which, you know, in, like basically uh, enhances the message in the song. Uh, I Yeah, I was like, I was triggered by that use of magic. It was fun uh, in a way that I would not have been had I not been watching the show. Oh, if you watch this out of context. they had the fight about su- superfluous magic. I get it. Yeah. Now, admittedly, Willow was like, "I'm gonna, over- I'm gonna disappear these people into a different dimension, right?" <laughs> but <laughs> like, she also does the party win. favors. I mean, it's yeah. just yeah. this is this is uncalled yes. for as a witch in any circumstance. But I, don't know. I, She's I feel a like Disney you get a pass dress. when you're uh, under a magic spell that makes you sing. Mm-hmm. You, of course, yeah. also use your ma- you, the magic you have to make special effects for yourself. Yeah, yes. I mean, and I and think she's, and she's you also, a Disney princess yeah, right now. You don't dress like a Disney pr- princess and not use some Disney style magic effects. I'm only disappointed they couldn't like summon bluebirds or you know jays. Like I, I'm surprised yeah. that the magic didn't summon like all the woodland creatures. I'm so, maybe that <laughs> I feel like that would have like, been copyright just, strike. Yeah, yeah, it did magically create a twenty-five thousand dollar animation budget. Unfortunately, <laughs> would have been nice if the if the twinkles are superfluous magic. Is sex hovering superfluous magic? Oh, 100 yes. percent. Yeah. No, it's uh, important that you connect with your partner. I think, no, well, it, partially it's about being in, in private versus public, too. So, actually, I think the sex magic I approve of more than the uh, sparkly magic. <laughs> um, just, I, I really like the sad literalness of Tara's song that she doesn't realize is she's literally under her spell until the reprise. Um, I mean, that's just good writing. It know? is. It's so fucking tight. Um yeah, I respect it. Um, so uh, another zoom in enhance. Uh, Xander holds up this amazing newspaper that says, uh, w- "What's the headline in the newspaper?" It's uh, you know, mayhem caused. Monsters definitely not involved. Yeah. And then if you zoom in and look at all the articles, you can read every article on that newspaper in the HD version, and they are just articles from some newspaper. They're really boring. There's about one about a high school marching band. There's one about the mayor passing some law about use of police forces. It's really quite Who dull. is Sunnydale's current mayor? It's well, I mean, I guess you could take it literally, but it's like literally about a real mayor from a neighboring town yeah. and mentions the town by name. So sad. Yeah. Excellent uh headline though. Excellent sleuthing. I guess it would give uh more um uh, if, you had, if you're trying to sleuth about where Sunnydale was literally, then it's like right next to this other town, right? True. So yeah. Are... I think I can't remember what the town was now. I think it was San Fernando. The beautiful San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Dennis knows what's up with that. It's in LA. <laughs> right. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, his penis got diseases from a Shumash tribe. Uh, <laughs> nice little callback to season four. <laughs> Uh, not the best episode it's weird though because every other uh spell from that episode faded Uh, (laughs) i mean got is sort of uh is could it be past tense right ah like i got ice cream yesterday doesn't mean i still have ice cream but would you be complaining about your partner having had ice cream like two two years ago (laughs) he got ice cream I mean, it Dr. Is, Travis, if he still has syphilis, that's pretty serious, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure he was treated. I'm sure he went through the antibiotic regimen to treat that. Thank God. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird, like, thing. I mean, it's just a fun thing that brought up. I mean, it's, 
It's very memorable, like the, the line, because it's so strange, right? <laughs> what other musical have you ever heard in your entire life where one of the lines is, his penis got blank? <laughs> you never heard another musical that had that in it. Um, Marty Noxon plays the parking ticket lady, uh, also writer and producer, showrunner this season. So, um, oh. And uh, one of her lines that you can't really hear in the episode, but you can hear on the CD is... Oh, um, God. Hey, I'm not wearing underwear. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> <laughs> There's some problems with this. There's some problems with how people are singing, <laughs> treating each other, but we're just going to pretend we don't remember that. Um, so Don is stealing things so people will notice and pay attention to her, right? Is that is that what we're thinking with the Don stealing situation? Like it's an act, it's like an adolescent acting out to pay attention to me sort of situation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she literally stares okay. at her like treasure trove of stolen items and then sings, "Well, it, well, does anyone even notice?" So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel for her in that scene because it's like she's there with Tara and she's like, "I love you, Tara. Like, I love that you're with Willow." And I, you know, she's like opening up to her, and Tara's like, "Oh, um, I gotta go. Bye." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, also, I'm all alone again, which is a thing that's been happening ever since my mom and my sister died. Also, I like how like, like, I didn't write this down. I like how Don's like, so yes, the 15 year old girl can be alone in a locked house for 30 minutes. And it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you, can't. <laughs> you are immediately kidnapped. Somebody let a little wooden boy in. I did like. It sucks. Like, Dawn's life sucks. Like, yeah. her friends leave. <laughs> she like, can't even be alone in a house on a Tuesday. <laughs> immediately kidnapped. I mean, it's effed up. Truly. Um, if, her uh, treasure trove, speaking of which, uh, if you look at all of her, uh, the items that still have price tags on it, she has stolen a total of $161.87 worth of merchandise <laughs> uh that's just the ones Seems that's like all not... tags on okay i was like that, that doesn't seem like a lot honestly considering that's she's actually in the seemed jewel- like a lot to me i didn't have i mean considering she's in the jewelry thief game like yeah so that why does like she keep lot. the tags on why does she keep the price tags on her thieving i like the theory she's trying to get caught I, I think it's so that the audience can understand that these yeah. are stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like a serial killer. Like the serial killer has to keep like, you know, things from the victim that right. may identify the victim eventually. Yeah. And uh, like, I assume she's mostly stealing from the magic box. So she can't wear these anywhere because mm. they'll be immediately recognized. Well, Anya will recognize them for sure. Yeah. Other people, who knows? So it's just a clear... A direction for the audience that's the main reason to keep the tags on because if you steal stuff you would take the tags off so you but, but you're you, also stealing you from your, <laughs> you're also stealing from people that are always around and that will notice <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> and all those items are unique from the magic shop it's not like stealing like another like a bag of doritos yeah. let, 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 let's be let's give her the benefit, benefit of the doubt it's going to make restocking when she gets caught real easy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, this is not a long-term plan. Yeah. Stealing oh. never is a long-term plan. <laughs> no. It is if you're Lupin. Um, oh, yeah, I was complaining about Giles. I was thinking about not complaining about Giles. I just have to say, like, it just doesn't feel, like, like factual that someone could be so grumpy that somebody else got brought back to life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like I, I just feel like I feel like that's bad writing. But whatever, it happened. I'm I, just dealing with it. I really like that song, partially just because Tony Head like really knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. Um, but I feel complicated about it because like I feel upset that like Giles as a character isn't giving Buffy space after this traumatic event and is like, she's not rising up to all these challenges and stuff. And it's like, even before they know she went to heaven and stuff, it's like, this is a 20 year old who like her mom is dead. She has been dead for three months. Like, and she's obviously kind of depressed right now. And like, give a person some fucking space. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I really like, like I feel protective of Buffy over Giles here, but I also really like the song. And like, I, I think Giles is too much in his own head because some of the lyrics are like how he's standing in the way, how she's not rising up because he's always there to protect her and stuff. And it's like, it's like you have not been around for a, half a season. <laughs> and also, like, that's never been the case. Buffy has always been the one to stand up. And like, yeah, it definitely was not true in season two or three or whatever of like, they're like, Buffy, before you don't make the plan, I'll make the plan. Like Buffy's always make the plan and engage, you know? And, like, this is the one time in her life she's not being that way. And, like, people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, give a person a break. That's all I'm asking, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I, I like the song. I agree. I just, it doesn't make any sense. But, I, like, I, the song's great. Which song Tony, are we talking Tony? about here? Because I, I think I have comments about this same song. I just want to be clear. It's uh, the Giles throwing knives slow-mo scene. Yeah, I'll pull up the Not the it. standing song. Larry says, like, yeah. yeah, that's the one. Way. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Okay. Yeah. Where he yeah. says you're not ready for the world outside. <clears throat> yeah. That one? Yeah. I guess we jumped orders a little. So sorry about that. Oh no, no. I just you guys have more familiarity with the lyrics and timing. So I, I it's just a uh, because they I think there's another song they have right because he has the Terra Giles song under your spell and then there's no, the that those follows. two kind of bleed into each other. Yeah, they bleed okay. into each other. But standing is is what starts and then under your spell is. The end. Yeah, that training yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah, that's really messed up. I don't... It's, but, I mean, the real reason Giles is leaving is because, like, Tony had, like... Contract disputes, right? It, or he like, just wanted to go back to he just wanted to. So, you know, that's the real reason that Giles is having all these problems is, like, yeah. we need to have a reason for for Tony to, like, take a break for half of the season. <laughs> I mean, in <laughs> fairness, like, I think, I think the actor does a really good job of selling it and the song does a good job of selling mm-hmm. it. Like, if you... It's only yes. if you really stop and think about it that you realize it makes no sense. <laughs> and then they tie it in... When they do the, uh, um, the Terra combo song they yeah. tie it into like tara has so much more legit reasons yeah but yeah. they're now they're mixed together in a beautiful way and they're both like they don't want to go but they have to and i was like yeah i believe it i was just gonna say it, i mean for the reasons you mentioned yeah it's, it's such a weird number in part because he's he's saying that he wishes he could be there for her and he wasn't and that's weird and then he's giving himself this false sense of importance in her life now and like trying to reassert himself. I mean, it's so weird. It's such everything about it, like you're saying, like it sounds right, but it feels false. It's such a strange number. And then is this what predic this is like just before he tells her to go fight on her own? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, which it- is super crazy. Yeah. Like and then they only have joining <laughs> yeah. her, but like the song tells her like everyone sings for her to go on her own and fight. Like, why? I mean, that that part's just insane. Also, if she did, that wouldn't be abnormal for this show at all. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, if she went and fought on her own? Yeah, that's, that's not like every time there's a monster, she's like, Xander, come with me. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's weird that they tell her like a big yeah. bad, you know, takes over the town and they're like, no, no, you need to handle this on your own. It's like, that's never happened. And that yeah. makes no sense. And it's just sort of like, uh, no, it doesn't make sense for her to go on her own. That's crazy. But yeah, I'm but it works. I mean, it works brother. because the songs are good and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's kind of one of these where you're like, I'm but they, not but crazy. They also I'm not crazy. Than- you're crazy. You know, it's like one of those sort of things. Like, I love it, and I'm not crazy. It don't make no sense. <laughs> but then everybody also shows up to help out too. So it's just like, because they can't help it. Yeah. They're not going to. But then the song kicks in, and you you lose control of your rational re- ration now, and music starts. I feel like the dialogue is the least rational part of the episode and that the singing is more rational. Well, that's a good observation. I kind of agree with that. That's good. That's true. Let's go back a bit to talk about uh, mm-hmm. Spike's song. Oh, yeah. So let me rest in peace. Um, only in Sunnydale do you have nighttime funerals. Yeah. I, mean, was, I think we pointed out this. Which is the worst the... place to have them. <laughs> well, especially in Sunnydale. Jeez, don't be in the cemetery at night. Yeah. I'm just asking for it. Who organized um, this thing? What in the mess. intro to uh, to to his song, just before his song, uh, Spike talks about Yima Sumac, and I've watched this like ten times, and I've always been like, I should Google Yima Sumac, find out who that is, and figure out what that reference is. And I finally did today. Yima Sumac is a um, singer from Peru, and she has this insane. She's like from the fifties. She has this mm-hmm. insane vocal range of four. I I know this from Wikipedia today, but she has a vocal range of four and a half fucking octaves. She's amazing. It's definitely worth spending some time on YouTube and listening to some Yuma Sumac. She's really cool and good. Um, she's on the uh, soundtrack to uh, Death Proof. And that's spelled Y-M-A space S-U-M-A-C. That's how you spell Yima. Yuma Sumac. Well, Spike's song is great. I love the back and forth on that. The like, leave me alone slash, where are you going? Yeah, yeah I <laughs> love that. <laughs> Like at the end of that song where he's like, wait, why are you leaving? And it's like, <laughs> you, your song is leave me alone. Yeah, first, yeah. I guess that, like when they're singing in the crypt and he's like, leave me be. And then it cuts to outside and he's like, I follow you. And it's like, ah, <laughs> too intense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that it's going to be totally out of character. But Spike is amazing in this episode. Oh, he is. Just so, so amazing. His yeah. acting, his singing, his like. His visual, like, like, or his like physical acting, so good. Yeah. The, there's the moment where he starts singing his song, and then he can't, like, he's so pissed off that he started singing, but he can't help it. That's a great. <laughs> yeah. That's just such a good moment. Like when he starts with the, when he starts singing, uh, where do we go from here? And then like gives up, like halfway through the song, and walks off. That's so good. Uh, let's see. We've already fought, talked a little about Buffy fighting alone. Um, I am always really amused by the way Sweet is trying to set Buffy up to start singing because she's like, you know, I'll face, I'll face you, and if I win, like blah blah blah, and like he just keeps saying like these obvious lead-ins to like force a person to sing in this universe. So he's like, yeah, how about life, huh? Do you, <laughs> how do you define life? What do you think? <laughs> and like Buffy falls for it, starts the singing. Um, I also love the thing of like, you know, when the music starts, we open up our hearts. She opens up to a red shirt. Like, that shit's dope. Yeah. So uh, at the end, Xander says he did it. Um, he's is he covering for Dawn? Obviously, she's who's in this weird child bride scenario, right? Um, but 
Regardless if it's Dawn or Xander, the summoning ritual that sets up this demon is clearly insanely stupid. Yeah. Because yes. not only is it like, it's unclear how it started, which is fine, but it's also like easily, it's resolved with like, and you know, I did it or whatever. Like, and the demon's like, I'll be, I'll take off right now. I'm gone. It's like this, this episode is great for other reasons, but the premise of the singing curse is weird and like the way it's like resolved is weird do you do you have the sense in your mind how this thing started and how, what ended it because i'm i'm confused as a viewer what's funny is if xander started it that means that he lied during i've got a theory so when he said it's witches it's evil witches oh, which yeah. is ridiculous because witches they're persecuted and wicked good and love the earth and women power and i'll be over here um, but that that dun, scene dun. does work if you think of Xander is doing it because when he when when Buffy comes in, is it anybody else person to song? He like his reaction of merciful Zeus is when he re- <laughs> that's the moment he realizes his spell worked, or maybe the moment he realized that it affected more than just him. Like that's uh, I never thought like, about that that moment that that to me works. Uh, okay, but he blames okay. it immediately then on evil witches, man. Yeah, but there's so, there's that's okay, also so there's in his character. Am- He's gaslighting them. <laughs> then there's clear ambiguity about how it starts, and it doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter how it starts. Doesn't matter how it ends. Like the episode doesn't care, like like at all. The, like the way the show is written, like everything that has to do with Sweet is the weakest part of the storytelling. Like not Sweet himself, uh, the actor Hinton Battle, uh, who like, apparently has multiple Tony Awards. He was he uh, was the uh, he was the Scarecrow in the original cast of Wiz, uh, and a couple other things. He has some really great credits. Uh, he's great. But like that yeah, character is like the weakest part because they just had, they almost had to put a monster in it because it's like the central premise of the show. But there's like I think the show only cares about the idea that uh, we can force our characters to say things they wouldn't normally say out loud. Like that's what the it's about, and they, that's what the, that's what the episode and the writing is interested in. They're not interested in this monster at all. <laughs> okay, great. Well, then it's wrapped up in a confusing way, and uh, glad that that's the. It's not just me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there was no time to wrap it up. I mean, they, they just had to wrap it up because they, they were out of time. And so, but that's okay because we, we got all the other stuff we wanted. Because when I watched this with you guys live, and it was the first time I'd seen it in 20 years, because I did see this initially, this was the episode that people were most excited to share with me when it came out, even though I was not familiar with the show. And same Which experience we, where people yeah. talk and sing over it. So I actually don't get much, at, I don't get the whole <laughs> content. But also, like, we're, I'm just being a dick. It's fun. Uh, I'm victimized. Oh, I can't enjoy television. Um, <laughs> and the last part, though, where it's like how it's wrapped up, like that was confusing to me then. It's confusing to me now. And like when we watched it together, I was like, oh, maybe I missed the part where they said how this got started. And it's like, oh, I didn't miss that. But that seems, even though that's so dumb, and like <laughs> I'm just a TV viewer, who cares about what I think? But it's just like, couldn't we see how this started? I mean, what what's wrong with that? And I get it, like, that's not the point. It's a point is, like, it's a musical and it's fun, and it totally is fun, but I think that's something that, like, was sitting in the back of my brain that it would get resolved in some way uh, for, 20, for, like, 20 years ago when I first <laughs> saw this, that, like, there would be a reason why this happened and a reason why it stopped, and there isn't, and that was, like, kind of disappointing. There is. It's just, it's just, it, I think what's, what's strange about it, I suppose, is that, like, as opposed to a musical traditionally, which takes it, does completely take it for granted, the Buffy episode um, gives you a diegetic reason for there being songs, sure, but then doesn't care that there's a reason. Like, like, 
Like it, like it, it gives you an explanation, but it doesn't, but the explanation is not emphasized. Like that's, what's kind of weird about it. Like, yeah. I mean, they have all the tools at their disposal and they don't do it. Yeah. And so anyway, it's just an interesting choice. Yeah. Are they singing the last song without a curse in place? Cause it's been removed. Seems like it. Cause uh, Spike can just be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. He just walks off. That's true. Yeah. Cause you would be able to resist it. I don't know. That's just kind of cute that they also, the fact they can do it is insane and impossible, but it's just like, like it's delightful. I, guess, I, I mean, there must be a lot of spells like that that don't just like shut off. They sort of like fade away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got to come down from that high. Yeah. Yeah. This is their come down. I get, that's how I feel it. And this is also like Spike and Buffy's like first kiss kind of. Oh, yeah, that's the first real kiss. Mm -hmm. That wasn't under the influence of a spell or magic. I mean, this is like classic TV drama here. Yeah, neither of them are a robot. (laughs) I suppose we should probably talk about that. (laughs) Michael, how do you feel about Spike and Buffy finally kissing? We haven't really talked about that at all. Well, this is totally, um, this makes sense. And I think it's great because she shared the secret. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but she told everybody during one of her songs that when she died, she was in heaven. Or what she thinks might have been heaven. And everyone's like, oops, you know, because <laughs> uh, they pulled her out of heaven to uh, presumably fight monsters, which sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> bad friends. Uh, and so she's revealed that information. And Spike is the person she shared, you know, the details of her death with. Spike has been dead, is literally still dead. And so they be able to share, being able to share that with him is pretty special. And so I think they that really sets them up to have a special relationship, you know, based around their antagonistic relationship with these assholes that summon me. And even though it's unlike, it's very unlikely for them to get together. Like this, this totally fits. I mean, story wise, I love it. I mean, I, I, Spike is such an unlike. I mean, he's obsessed with her, which is a creepy person to have a relationship with. So I, I think this relationship will inevitably be unstable because, well, he's a fun person to be with now, and they're on the same page about some things like. He's still like a creepy stalker. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this relationship, but uh, it is, it's headed in a rocky direction. I mean, it's not going to end with them getting married, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They've already had their wedding episode, right? Yeah. Or their right. wedding planning episode. And they can't have kids, presumably. I assume vampires are infertile. All they can do is uh, he can turn her into a vampire and then they can vampireize other I'm hearing people. a lot of predictions here. Wow. <laughs> Those aren't predictions. I... <laughs> I, I, I'm totally on board with, you know, last, last season, I think I really was like super negative about Spike and Buffy's relationship or pseudo relationship. I mean, like he kidnapped her, like tied her up. I mean, last season was problematic for a consensual Spike Buffy relationship. <laughs> let's, let's be clear on that. This season, they're way, you said emotionally, mentally, they're way on the same page. Like they're like, it, it feels very, this one feels realistic. It's not a good page, though. Like it's not uh, like the the um, the uh, <clears throat> mission statement of their relationship is uh, you can make me feel, and then I just want to feel. Like that's not a good. Uh, I mean, if that was on your uh, OK Cupid profile, I feel like you might not. Hopefully, wouldn't do too well. <laughs> Listen, you well, get to a certain I- age, and having feelings is a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like when they were kids. They could just have feelings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Okay. 
it doesn't it's probably not going to be a healthy relationship but at least it seems realistic and like yeah it's still honestly given like all the all like the kind of insensitivity of like her best friends like i would say spike at this point is probably the one with like her back the most strangely enough. Like the point. most supportive person is probably spike so far in this season to be quite honest like giving her attention and and spending time with her and then not pressuring her into things Again, they both hate life. <laughs> yeah. You know what sucks? Life. <laughs> <laughs> you know what sucks? Life. Vampires. Hey. <laughs> oh, you're on a roll today, John. <laughs> All right. Okay. You guys oh, yes. want to move oh. to questions for the group? And we got a lot this week. All right. <clears throat> oh, wait. I had one last thing. I was going to recommend the oh, CD... Cool. Oh yeah, yeah for the for the for the album, um, and Mike, you can you can agree or disagree. You, you know you, you're gonna, you're the only one who also has the vinyl. So um, you can this got reissued on vinyl last year, which was amazing, and I think the vinyl sounds better than the CD, and way better than the MP3. So if you wanna um, buy the album, make sure that you either buy the CD or the vinyl. Um, or like the, a download from a from a streaming service, but make sure it's not the MP3. Um, so the most economical way is to buy the CD from Amazon.com. That's only ten dollars, and it's way better than the MP3 that Amazon sells. So don't don't be confused on that. Um, and if you can't buy, if you don't want to buy a CD, then you can go to Title.com or uh, Store.Title, and um, you can buy the 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 FLAC. Because it, it sounds so much, I have both files. So the reason I say that it sounds so much better is I had the old MP3 file because I had the CD, lost it. Then I downloaded the MP3 and then I played it and it sounded not very good. What sounds much better is if, is like if you stream it from Hulu. So say you're listening on, your, on your whatever. The Hulu stream sounds pretty good, actually. It sounds pretty good. Um, but the, the, the vinyl sounds way better, in my opinion. Um, and you can still buy the vinyl, which is super rare, at uh, Mondo Shop. So they're going to sell out <laughs> of those eventually. Um, so I, if, you, if you can play the vinyl, I would definitely recommend you buy it. Because it comes with a lot of really cool things. Um, and so Mike, you know, t- tell us wh- what you think about the vinyl versus listening digitally. Oh, so Travis got me the vinyl record, which was very sweet. So you actually just have to be friends with Travis, and you get the record for free. So I don't know why <laughs> That's true. That's also shop. true. Um, so I got pink vinyl, which is amazing, um, which I think is sold out. But uh, it's been fun to play. So we have those houses that are, I guess, modern houses now where you stream everything or you play stuff on vinyl. Um, so we have a vinyl player in the living room. And, like, you know, we've watched this episode. We, I mean, my wife and I watched this episode a couple of times now, and, like, that's all it takes for this to stick in your brain. So the song that's been sticking the most is the Walk Through the Fire. And what's great is with the vinyl, um, you just uh, play that side again, and you're just back in that second part of the episode. It's been great. Um, it's fun. Yeah, you sing along, and you have a good time. But 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 which one do you think sounds better for the listeners? Because like, uh, I mean, they, they may not have got, gotten all three. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. You know, they might one, not Charles. have bought all three. They might not have. I think the best is uh, listening with friends. That's the best. Ah, I mean, I, uh, form- you want a format solution. Listen, the best was going to be. I care. Listen, I care about people who care about this episode. Do not buy the MP3. You will. You'll oh be yeah, you'll be disappointed. With the MP3. 
and the reason I say that is it sounds it sounds very very thin. Okay, the the human voices don't sound as rich as they normally would. Okay, so that's what you're missing. Like you get to hear the songs and sing along. I get it. Well, I'm just telling you what I, I care about you. Okay. That's all. That's well, all. You know what? By getting this bulky, crazy, big piece of art with Buffy the Vampire Slayer on it, and then put, opening that up, and then taking out a big pink red record with this crazy like art inside. Oh, that's I mean, great! That just, this yeah. just feels fun, and so you just start smiling from the first minute you yeah. kind of get this kind of thing. So, like, I think the emotional feeling of playing the record oh, because it's, it's such yeah. a, it's such a bizarre, obscure thing to own anyway. Like soundtracks are weird like that, and this one's so unique have a TV soundtrack, which no one ever buys TV soundtracks. Unless it's X-Files, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, just Mondo does a good job with stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yep, Mondo is fantastic. They have so a, thank you, Mondo. They have a Peanuts thank license, you. and they do a really good job with their Peanuts posters. <laughs> um, and, and the only thing I would say about the vinyl is, this is not going to be remade. So they, 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 they didn't even issue vinyl for the original CD or the original soundtrack was just CD came out in like two, nobody had nobody was buying vinyl in 2001 yeah, vinyl went out of fashion so Mondo thank God thank you did all the hard work they pressed all the vinyl but I want to tell people I don't think that when the, I think when this sells out I don't think there's going to be more pressings so if you're a super fan and you're watching this I do recommend you buy the vinyl because at some point you're not going to be able to and that's going to be sad I uh, I only listen to Og Vorbis files dubbed to eight track. So uh, <laughs> until they release it that way, I'm out of luck. Um, All right, let's do questions for the group. <laughs> All right, first question here: How long do you think you could live inside of a musical? Oof. Forever. <laughs> Take me there. Five minutes. <laughs> Take me there. I love that. <laughs> so we've got forever and we've got five minutes. So five <laughs> minutes is one song, right? Yeah. So you're, you're one and done with this. You're like. Yeah. I mean, especially like I can't sing. I have no singing voice whatsoever. When I do karaoke, I have to do like B-52s and other like people who don't properly sing. Uh, talk singing. Yes. Yeah. Talk. So there's a German word for it. Sprecke singing. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. I forget what the word is. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm saying a week for myself. I would like to do it for one week, um, but it's just like you know. I would like a quarantine for one week at a time, uh, not for <laughs> the indefinite yeah. future. So a uh, musical for one week would be great. I think it would be terrible to be living in a musical universe during quarantine. Oh no! <laughs> just just singing to yourself, living with myself singing, which is basically what I'm doing anyway. <laughs> I, people who know me know I talk sing constantly. Um, but I yeah I think a week sounds good like during especially if I was like if that week was like a vacation week or something something where I was doing something there's like a big activity where we could sing about it I don't necessarily want to go into work and sing about like doing approvals <laughs> reading all the files <laughs> sounds like you're ready dude well you uh, have to have at least one work day. That's just oh, how yeah. it is with this. As musical. far as I'm aware, there's only one of us who's ever actually been in a musical. Really? No one else has been in a musical except me. Huh. No. <laughs> I've been in uh, operetta as well. Yeah. Um, yep, been in some musicals, including The Sound of Music, which is the ultimate musical. <laughs> it you, weren't you one of the Nazis in musicals? That? 
Uh, yeah, I was a Nazi. <laughs> in a musical, I played a Nazi. <laughs> in a st- staged musical. You know, I, musicals are great. They're awesome. Unfortunately, TV decimates the viability of the medium of staged musicals. But anyway, it's fun. What is your relationship deal breaker when it comes to magic? Ooh. You can use magic again. Sex magic, totally fine. Yeah, I think we're all we're, we're all there. Although I mean, any, only sex magic. I mean, relationship enhancements. Actually, totally careful what fine. you say because sex magic's a real thing. That's like a uh, Alistair Crowley thing. Yeah, uh, and some of it oh, doesn't sorry. sound. That I'm sorry, great. Crowley fans. I didn't mean to. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't do Alistair Crowley shit. I mean, they can. I, I don't think it's I have, necessarily I have bad. One of his sex magic books that I never read, but it's still on my shelf somewhere. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's threatening you, so be careful <laughs> around that book. This. Oh, so this ties into Aleister Crowley sings from. Uh, That's the right. The season. That's right. Barely. This is so tangential. Don't even. <laughs> All right. So sex magic definitely. So relationship enhancements that are uh, purely pleasure. Yes. Um, Chore magic. Chore magic is approved. You want to animate the broom to sweep up the house? Yes. Totally into that. Uh, Where it's not cool is, uh, (laughs) obviously, is manipulating uh, my past relationship. (laughs) Like, anything you do to fuck with my past relationships, you're like, oh, uh, I don't like that you have exes. Or something like that. (laughs) They're all dead now. (laughs) There's something stupid. Like, what? Uh, Anything involves death, obviously. That'd be fucked up. Uh, You can't kill anybody I know or we know together. Um, But, But you're cool with stranger murder. (laughs) <laughs> well listen we all participate in stranger murder <laughs> sorry I, I mean it's hard. i mean don't make me forget like forgetful stuff is crazy like altering your memory yes. altering who you are the the love potion stuff that makes you obsessed you know like none of the obsession stuff that'd be messed up don't turn me into an animal um <laughs> no cersei's around here but what about what about turn you out of an animal turn you from an animal to a human you're okay with that yeah that makes sense That's what fine. if you started out as an animal like if you were a fox would you be cool with being turned into a human for romantic uh exploitation yeah obviously i'm totally cool with it as a fox i mean because that's trading up in your mind <laughs> yeah it's obviously trading up uh just just refer to the every any religious text john so say you were at a zoo <laughs> and your zoo handler no magic and changed you from a fox or like to a human and then started a relationship with because she fell in love with you as a fox yeah wow that's some greek shit no no you can't do that that's exploitative that would be a mess that because fox... because of the sacred trust of the zoo handler <laughs> animal relationship yeah. i mean it's the zoo the, the, zoo, the zoo kratis the zoo kratis look, oath that the zookeeper <laughs> takes <laughs> look you can only transform a fox into human if it's a fox in the wild right you cannot transform a capture like a fox that's captive into a person what about city this foxes so say, my neighborhood say is full of greek, city foxes i feel like greek if god you... dionysus the greek god dionysus was out in the forest and you're just one of the wild goats and deer and and things that that frolic with dionysus you'd be cool when he turns you into like a nymph to have a relationship with Okay, I I need to, I still need to address John's comment, Travis. But okay. so the, the fox transformation, city fox turned to a person. Like, first of all, you get what you pay for. Okay, you think that you just turn a fox into a sexy being and you're going to have a wonderful time. That's still a fox. You better be careful. 
that you're gonna get your face slashed and like whatever <laughs> horrible noises that foxes make you're gonna make one of those noises they so okay. foxes make so, horrible noises during sex because i have to hear that shit out my window it well, sounds why didn't you have it in your bedroom because it hear sounds it like louder. an eight-year-old girl screaming for her life it's a horrible <laughs> sound it's a horrible and you hear it in the middle of the night it's awful <laughs> So you're saying you have your windows open in the middle of the night? I do, because in this country, uh, John, it sounds like you live windows. in a haunted forest. Is that true, <laughs> dude. Crystal Palace is like a haunted forest. Are you constantly making gingerbread-like houses and giving candy to children? Like, like it sounds like a German fairy tale. <laughs> All right, Mike, address mine. It's Greek mythology. You're a woodland creature, Dionysus. Or his nymphs show up to the woods. They're all frolicking, drinking wine, and you know they have control of the animals, and they're going to zap you to have uh, relations with, and they, they you know they just transform you. I mean, yeah, of course. Like, who would say no to a go- Greek gods an orgy gods. with orgy with gods in the forest? Yeah. That's like also I can explain away and say I couldn't control it, so I can still go or back your to my, wife is my like, regular life. You know, afterwards. Where are you? The- it's like, oh, uh, God turned me into uh, something, and I'm not clear what happened. I just uh, had a lot of fun. <laughs> there is like a blackout situation when you're parting with Dionysus. So you're right. So there, there are some like, you're right. There, there are some extenuating circumstances when you're parting with the party god. Party so, the, okay, so here's the deal breaker for magic. We need to discuss what, we need to have consensual magic. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, all comes down to it. consent. It's all about the, it's all about yeah. the C word. Consent. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, here's a great. Oh, sorry. I, no, no. What, what? Now I'm I'm on a roll. What animal are you irrationally <laughs> afraid of? Anya is terrified of bunnies, for instance. Mm. And I'm wondering, is that like a play on like the fertility of bunnies? Well, you know what I mean. I think that's deeper. That, that, I think that's deeper thought than the show yeah, gave it. I think it's like, just a oh, running joke that started with. Let's season make her four. afraid of a fluffy animal. Yeah. Because she needs to dress as something spooky in that episode, and she chooses bunnies. Yeah. So I'm irrationally afraid of snakes, so I can answer that question for you. If I see even a stick on the ground that looks like a snake, I'm up. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm up, and I'm worried about it. Um, I don't. There's nothing friendly about a snake. My first reaction is always fear, and then I need to be talked into touching a snake or being near a snake. I am not afraid of snakes, but I, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of them, but I don't like squirrels. Yeah, I was going to say squirrels, too. I one time, Squirrels are jerks. One time there was a squirrel. We didn't know it was a squirrel. We, we, there was something trapped under my friend's refrigerator. And we weren't sure if the refrigerator was broken, and that's why I was making the noise, or if there was an animal under there. And so the, when we moved the refrigerator and the squirrel came out, everybody lost their shit and was terrified. <laughs> squirrel inside the house is actually super scary. Yeah. Yeah, squirrel inside the house is scary. The squirrels in my neighborhood are like extra big, and sometimes they get like they feel like they're getting really close and aggressive. And like I'm like, I need to go up the stairs. Please leave. Like, <laughs> like not that I don't think I could in a like a real fight take down a squirrel, but I don't want to get into a fight with a squirrel. Dennis, did you ever notice the squirrel in the movie Silent Running? Silent Running. Silent Running with uh, Bruce Dern in the robots. No, there's a squirrel in that. There's a squirrel in their space station. Yeah, because well, because in the space station, and there's like in the spaceship, it's like they've got like a little garden yeah, Eden set up, and there's all the kinds thing, of animals. Yeah. And then there's a shot. They like they cut to this squirrel on a log, and it is the most obese squirrel I have ever seen. It's amazing. 
Well, it's because they probably had to train it with a billion pounds of sweets. <laughs> Back in Michigan, when my parents lived there, my mom totally, um, she always set up a lot of bird feeders, but the squirrels super got into them there, and they became incredibly obese. And then they all got picked off by uh, this red-tailed hawk that figured out the situation. So, so we had, uh, I would come and visit Ooh, them. Good. And they had just amazingly, mom had just amazingly fat squirrels, like incredibly and if they didn't if the heart disease didn't get them the red-tailed hawk definitely did i felt no like empathy for him i was like good get out of here um i think i'm afraid of either centipedes or millipedes or earwigs um oh yeah earwigs seen, good call i've seen all of those in my house like i've never seen a squirrel in my house or a snake in my house but those i have definitely seen in my house um I once had an, one of my ex-partners, uh, um, she was afraid of all, all things bug, and I will remember this, she made me kill a dragonfly that had somehow gotten in her apartment, because oh. she was terrified of it. And she's just looking at me, and she's like, I know this is killing you, but kill this. <laughs> like, so yeah, I killed a dragonfly. You know, that's, that's a real rough situation, because I couldn't get it outside safely, because it was all stuck in the house. So anyways... Yeah, so I'm afraid of those creepy crawlies. Not spiders. Spiders are your friends. Yeah. Um, but many people are afraid of spiders. But I'm like, spiders are what's going to get rid of the really nasty, creepy crawlies. You know what I mean? That is a very fat squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like spiders. Um, <clears throat> and I keep crickets and other uh, super worms in my house now. So I can't say I'm afraid of them. I got to feed them to an animal I, I feel like i have the body dysmorphia like that's how i feel this obese squirrel maybe you can flash it on the screen <laughs> like that's my body dysmorphia i feel like i look like that oh. squirrel. oh dude you look great stop it you look good Durham. i know oh thank you you don't look anything like that squirrel i promise okay okay i don't see Although that squirrel your tail about you similar ah oh, curses <laughs> Cool. So we obviously cut that segment and then uh, <laughs> move to the next part here. Um, does Giles want to get on with his life? Giles is inscrutable. I don't know what he wants in this episode. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> he just can't wait to get back to Bath. Maybe Olivia's in Bath. Oh, yeah. Maybe Olivia. Uh, I mean, I think he maybe he is tired of feeling like a father to these people who are now adults. And he's like... Yeah. All right. Maybe he had a chat with Olivia because Olivia visited him in Sunnydale and then like saw the gentleman. And she was like, you know, you know, you know, Rupert, I think it's you're old enough now. We can put the magic shit behind you. That was a phase in your life. You need to like grow up and move on. And, you know, he's like, I know you're right. Uh, And she's like, as long as you're living in Sunnydale, you're never going to be away from it. You got to you got to come back to where nothing happens. And uh, you're saying nothing happens it, in Bath. Is that like the, 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 like the motto of Bath, England? Don't worry, nothing happens here. Uh, I was asking. I've never been to Bath. I was asking my partner Harriet about Bath because Giles lives there. I was asking her like, what? What's what's the implication of Giles living in Bath? And well, it's apparently very expensive to live there. They have beautiful Georgian architecture, uh, and it's a bit of a tourist town. So it's this weird combination of beautiful architecture and then like people who go there for their like bachelor parties and vomit in the streets. Sounds like living in Savannah or something. All right, uh, Travis, you have the next question. Oh, my! My said my favorite song was the Giles and Tara duet, which is 
the name is um, oh gosh, I'm out of I'm out of I'm out of this under your spell. Well, you can just say under your spell and standing, yeah, together. So it's the standing is the first one, and then under your spell, yeah. What what are your favorite songs? I mean, they're all great, but I like Spike. I like uh, Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. The song is so good. Yeah. Rest in Peace is so dang on the uh, live on the live stream I talked about. I've uh, I'm guilty of putting that on multiple mixtapes for multiple women in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is my stalker song to you, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think uh, like in terms of like the actual like best songs, it's probably uh, the Giles Tara one and the. Um, Walking Through the Fire, whatever that one's called. Yeah, that's a good song. Um, I said on the live stream, uh, though, I just I have a lot of affinity for the Xander Anya one, partially because like, one time Travis and I did that whole back and forth in a car together. It was amazing. Um, I have a lot of affection I'll for that. I'll never tell. Yeah. I'll never tell. Yeah. Uh, but they're all good in their own way. They're fun. Walk Through the Fire. Yep, that one. It's the best. Right I now. think uh, I've got a theory gets stuck in my head pretty often because mm-hmm. there's so many, especially on this show during uh, predictions. There's so many times where it's like, oh, I've got a theory. <laughs> <laughs> Something isn't right there. Where do we go from here? Is pretty. I mean, yeah. they're all amazing. Oh, blah blah blah. Yeah, which one don't you like? <laughs> <laughs> Boo on. <laughs> uh, so. Like, shows having a musical episode is a pretty constant TV trope right now. Like, and I feel like Buffy, I'm not, I feel like Buffy, like, really in the modern era started that, but I could be wrong. But uh, does anybody um, know? Well, luckily, there's a Wikipedia page, which is list of musical episodes of television shows. <laughs> uh, and they list uh, some things that I think don't count. Like, they actually list the uh, the Deep Space Nine episode with uh, Vic Fontaine, the first episode with Vic Fontaine, as a, as a musical. It's like, just because there's singing in it doesn't make it a musical. Um, but, uh, so apparently the TV musical episode started in 1966 when Gilligan's Island did it. Uh, I have not watched that episode, so someone should check and tell me if that's really is a proper musical. But the Drew Carey Show definitely did it in 97. Uh, Simpsons did it in 98. Xena, I think, is the big one. Uh, for oh, this, huh. which is that they did it, uh, they did it ninety eight as well. Um, the the Xena musical episode is I've seen that. It's definitely like a musical, and it's similar to this, obviously, in that it's a similar sort of supernatural dramedy show. Yeah, um, yeah. It definitely is it, is it good? Like, I've never uh, seen it. It's not it. as good as I, this. I like it's not as good as no. yeah. And uh, Xena is also kind of like when you've watched Buffy, going back and trying to watch Xena is kind of hard because it's not as good, <laughs> and it's just like it's a similar thing in a way it's the same it's a similar kind of vibe but it's i personally have found it hard uh as an adult to go back and watch scene it doesn't have the same appeal as it did when i watched it in the 90s lucy lawless is dope yeah she is though i mean she definitely is yeah yeah i feel like i wouldn't count things like simpsons or futurama just because i'm like not talking about cartoons right and a cartoon lends itself to singing so much more um, so it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like Xena is the real, like, Xena and the Drew Carey show are the real, like, right ahead of that trend, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah, I do I, feel like now every show gets their musical episode, but it felt totally like out of left field well, and I think when Buffy did it. Uh, definitely Buffy did it in a way that was 
uh, more successful, I think, and was uh, just better. Um, yeah, that they they're like we can do it in a way where it's not a silly it's not like like a silly joke. It's like this is the episode with the budget, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, at the time it was a big deal. Like it like again, it's a longer piece than the normal time slot so it like had to have special scheduling when it was first thing it was all this kind of like promotion that was there remember there being full page magazine ads for it when it came out it was a big deal cool and then you yeah you want to make the distinction between a a half hour versus hour long show that does a musical right yeah like i think it's something that's like a sitcom a pure comedy is gonna like it doesn't break the walls as much right like yeah, so the Drew Carey show was a thirty-minute sitcom, right? It wasn't an hour-long, yeah, sitcom. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, good for them. They they probably were. I mean, they were definitely the pioneers. But it's also interesting, like <clears throat> how it's so popular now. But you think about like the the biggest shows of all time never had musicals, right? The um, Roseanne, Friends, Seinfeld, <laughs> like all these shows had like a hundred million viewers an episode. Yeah, no musical, which is so interesting. But and nowadays just, you have like, I mean, Grey's Anatomy has a musical episode, right? Like, yeah. yeah, that still has a lot of good viewers, but not it's not hundred million, you know, which is just crazy. Also, I, I could be mistaken, but I think that the Drew Carey musical is not original songs. Uh, I yeah. think they're they're doing other songs, different. and Donald Trump is in it. So, ooh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the actor, the <laughs> actor. <laughs> From his famous cameo of uh, uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, let's jump into themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. I, I want to uh, shout out real quick. Uh, there's a... Um, an essay by Janet Halfyard, Halfyard, uh, called uh, "Singing Their Hearts Out: The Problem of Performance in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel." Uh, it's from the uh, uh, Internet Journal of Buffy Studies. Uh, nice. I, I read that. That's pretty good. That's worth that's worth checking out. Um, but one of the things that she writes about, and I'm not, I'm probably not giving her argument uh, the shrift it deserves, but like uh, the uh, she points out that like in the Buffy verse that like performance is something that is sort of seen as problematic. And uh, she talks about uh, Caritas and that basically like people who are good at singing are sort of suspicious and that like having a uh, having being able to put on a good show means you're untrustworthy. Like being um, having talent and having ability is uh, something that is sort of marks you as untrustworthy. Oh, that's um, sad. Yeah, which I think was an interesting point. And then like uh, uh, and that one of the things that like uh, she kind of kind of sort of says is that like uh you know, having all of these sort of non-professional singers doing the songs in uh, the Buffy musical and then setting them against uh, Sweet, who is played by a multi-tonia winning, award-winning uh, singer, uh, is sort of partly what makes him a demon, makes him a monster and makes the, the uh, characters, uh, our characters that we love, the fact that they all can't sing perfectly makes them more endearing and makes us trust them more. Uh, wow. I just thought it was interesting. Um, but like as sort of a... a Alongside that point, um, one of the things I really love about the musical that I think is at like really at the heart of it is that like they can't decide if singing is about is um, a marker of authenticity or if it's a marker of uh, falsehood. So like on the one hand, uh, 
the whole central premise of this is that you when you sing you let your heart out right and you you say things you normally wouldn't and you're more honest than you normally would be but on the other hand there's a number of lines that use the metaphor in the exact opposite way right uh that um you know, uh, Sweet says uh, this is the penalty when life is but a song. The idea of something being just a song or just a performance or like a song can be this uh, symbol of authenticity and of, uh, of trueness, but it can also be this uh, symbol of falsehood. I thought that was really interesting. I think that that's like it goes right at the core of like the way the show is deploying the musical uh, concept. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and it also said, uh, she also said, I think it was her, uh, maybe it was another essay I read, was saying that, like, there's an interesting connection that they make uh, between, and that you can really see the connection between, like, songs and musicals typically don't move the plot forward. They are sort of this pleasure you take in the moment, but they don't really move the plot forward. And that the exact same thing is true of fighting scenes in shows like Buffy, that, like, singing and butt-kicking are both these visceral pleasures we take, but they don't move the plot forward. Uh and they're this sort of break from the story in a way. Uh, and that uh, you kind of get a butt-kicking song at the beginning here, which kind of connects those two concepts. And it's some neat stuff there. That is a sweeping generalization of musicals. It is. It, well, and, and, of, and of fight and scenes, I, too. And, right? and I don't but, think it even applies to this musical, because mm. everybody's sung... Like, we have the exposition song, which moves the plot forward. We yeah. have every single song that... The, every character gets their emotional song, which moves their emotional story forward buffy does her big reveal in song tara decides that she needs to leave willow in song like uh, i mean i i like the way it sounds because it sounds true like yeah. the the jet that that theory sounds true and i like it but it, it is that's a tough one i mean it's like it's probably true of many things i think but there's so many exceptions in the world of of entertainment it's also like, it's interesting the the thing you set up because i feel like i was when we did the angel recap like i was talking about a similar thing about like angel still never learns the value of the arts which they're saying like similar to performance but like if if just because angel doesn't learn the value of it doesn't mean the show doesn't find it valuable right because like right. in the end the character who's the biggest performer is lauren and Lauren is a character we like and trust. Mm. Um, and Lauren comes from a, like, sees a larger view of the world because he's more connected to the powers that be than any other any other character. Uh, so I think that's one of those things where sometimes people, when they're like, well, these are the good characters, so their opinions are the right ones for the show. Right. Uh, or like, no, Angel's actually wrong all the time, right? Right. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, I like... The sound of that essay, I'll, I'll give it a check. Um, I'll move on to my thing of um, all of Buffy's songs in it are focusing on her main theme of she's not feeling things anymore, um, which is like first like an interesting take to like have songs about not feeling since like songs are all about showing your heart and like expressing all your feelings. Like literally every one of her songs is like, I touch the fire and it freezes me. Like I'm going through the motions. Like, uh, in like, I got a theory. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, <laughs> so I like. I just like that whole thing of like, like this is like, the musical being anti the idea of the musical. Um, but it's also like for Buffy where she's at right now. Like she's been through so much sadness in her life because she's been all through these major hurdles of she's already died once. Uh, she's had to kill her boyfriend. Like you know 
every everything that's happened to her she's been in incredibly sad spaces in her life before but she's never dealt with like not feeling things is more real depression it's like this is the first time in her life she's actually dealing with like a depression that you can't get over by like stabbing you know you don't get to go to hell and stab the demon and reclaim your name and then be fine you know um so this is like the first time it's really expressly stating in the show what's going on with Buffy this season. Hmm. And uh, I just wanted to like call that out. And uh, I hope Buffy gets some help with her depression. Uh, go see, go see a therapist, get, get on some meds maybe. Um, Cause that shit's real and it's a killer. Uh, all right. I think that's themes. So let's move to recommendations. Um, and I wrote some down, but Mike, I know you had some more because uh, this was this is the tough one for me because I was like, this is the one area of musics of uh, of movies that is really not my area of expertise is musicals. So I picked uh, I went with the horror theme. I was like mus- musicals that are in the horror genre. So I start with Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, super fun. Um, really movie the movie deserves more credit than it gets the uh, roger corman the one or the uh frank oz frank one? oz one because we're talking musicals i mean yeah. the roger corman you should watch also you should do it, though you could watch like yes. 30 other roger corman movies before you watch that one it's pretty bad Listen, if you're gonna watch roger corman movies that one should be in the list <laughs> it's jack nicholson's first role uh dick miller is excellent in it mm-hmm. uh, he eats as the flower eater uh, but anyway the the frank oz musical really like top notch suddenly seymour amazing song um uh and then you got to go to rocky horror picture show because why not because that's an important like musical in the in the world of things and it's sequel which doesn't get enough uh praise shock treatment same characters different actors except for uh the guy who played um riffraff who's the director of the musical he reprises as a different role but it's like the whole city of D- denton where they come from is now a reality show and uh the main characters uh get trapped in it and it's really good and it's like it, it feels ahead of its time now that we're living in like a real world of reality tv um existo is the forbidden musical um it's the same comedy troupe that does all the earnest movies and uh, this is their like art house crazy picture that they made and they couldn't get distributed for years. The basic setup is this is a world where the Bush administration never uh, relinquished the reins, so they're in their like fourth or fifth administration at this point, and um, all art has basically been made illegal. So like everything, every TV show and stuff is run by like the Corporation for Family Christian Values, and there's this so all music and like performance art is now like underground rebellious stuff and uh, the guy existo is the ultimate like performance artist and they think he's the antichrist the christians do uh and it's a fun weird movie uh bruce arnston is existo and he actually started the character as a bad magician on the hey Vern, it's Ernest show he would like <laughs> try to make a hot dog disappear by eating it real fast those kind of gags and so it's this weird like where did this come from it uh, if you if you think that the earnest the people who do it earnest like always had a little more up their sleeve than they showed this is it uh, I super <laughs> recommend it uh, it's hard I think it's on YouTube now because for years it was like impossible to find because uh, they did, never got any distribution for it um, 
Also going to recommend Phantom of the Paradise, uh, Brian De Palma's first movie. It's a take on um, the Phantom of the Opera, but it's about rock musicians, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, like, that's a cult classic. People should see it. Um, and I, I put Lauren, Lauren here, which is a recent um, mermaid movie that's also a musical. It's a weird one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who else has stuff? Well, I'm only going to recommend one musical, which this one's probably uh, controversial because it's a Woody Allen musical. But everyone says I love you. '96. It's around. It's like era appropriate to this, and it's just one of his best films. I mean, every film that you like by Woody Allen is his best film. But like this one's really charming. And I guess as I was thinking about, it, I was like, I don't think this gets recommended very much, but. Super sweet, nostalgic, full of fun characters. Alan Alda's in it, you know, Julia Roberts. It's great. I guess I was just going to recommend Hedwig because uh, it's like it's like kind of almost inappropriate because it was came out in the early 2000s. And it's not like a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it does encourage singing, sing along. Like, so that's like kind of fun and unique. Like it breaks the fourth wall like all the time or the third wall. No, the fourth wall. Um, as for TV shows, um, some of my favorite musical episodes that followed this were the Scrubs musical episode, of course, which is very fun. And then also the, which is, you know, a half hour sitcom, uh, or a half hour uh, comedy program. And then Psych the Musical, that's an hour long, like drama program. But so like, if you want to find, get another hour long, uh, show that has a musical, then that's what's unique about the Psych musical. Um. So anyways, let's just off the top. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, let's do predictions. Virgin Predictions. Okay. Uh, let us see where we stand. Um, Michael, at this moment, you are at a 62.07% overall. And for season six, you are currently at a 62.5. So let's see if we can uh, make those numbers go up or down. Okay. Uh, For the musical episode, uh, Michael, back in season two, uh, at the end of season two, season two, episode 22, you predicted that Xander is not going to become a bad guy for more than one episode. Uh, so he did become a bad guy in a way, maybe a hapless guy uh, during this, but it's not for more than one episode. Uh, Dennis, am I assuming that's uh, why you uh, highlighted this? Yeah, I. well, this is one of those things where we should have really, back in season two, we didn't know how pedantic we'd get it. <laughs> this is such a legit weird sentence that it's hard to like confirm or deny right we, it basically has to go through the entire season to see if he becomes a bad guy in two episodes but i would say if we accept that xander caused this then he is the bad guy this episode so okay. if he never is a bad guy in another episode mike will confirm this basically oh okay i kind of read it as more than one episode you know running but okay sure uh okay uh, that, this one's know. a little Does bit more cut and dry uh yes <laughs> this one's a little more cut and dry uh 
in season three, episode four, Michael predicted Willow will face evil bunnies before the musical episode. Uh, this was uh, Michael misremembering because when, you know, Michael as the Buffy Virgin had, when we, from the very beginning, he had seen the musical. Uh, but he misremembered the whole bunny thing as being something that happened to Willow rather than Anya. Because um, he didn't I mean, know Anya was evil. He didn't know, yeah. I mean, you know, he was, he was a much more innocent man back then. Um, uh, so this one is uh, denied because nobody's met any evil bunnies uh, on the show. So that one's denied. Let's see. Uh, season four, episode 14, uh, Michael made two predictions. Tara will be identified as a good witch and Willow will be identified as a bad witch. Now, I kind of want to make the case that uh, during um, I've Got a Theory, uh, Xander says it could be witches, some evil witches, and he kind of gestures towards uh, Willow and Tara and then rolls it back and says that witches were uh, are, were persecuted, uh, Wicca good, and love the earth, um, etc. So uh, I think, uh, is he in that moment identifying Tara as a good witch and identifying Willow as a bad witch? <laughs> is that just based on like, maybe he for a second looks at Willow? And then yeah, it is kind of, it's a little flimsy, isn't it? <laughs> That's too implicit. Okay, fine. Okay. Um... So neither confirmed nor denied. We'll just hold on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, did you highlight 329 for some reason? 329. No. Okay. Never mind. No. Okay. That's fine. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, in season five, episode 14, Michael predicted that the bronze is going to get damaged again. We, uh... In this business, we call that a safe one. Uh, and uh, the door did get knocked off, so that is confirmed. Very okay. minor damage, but Buffy punches, a, punches the door. So, so, Mike, are you going to make that prediction again? <laughs> that's a, okay. Oh, that's a good one. Season 5, episode 16, Dawn will go on a date with a monster. Now, uh, the monster does dance with Dawn. He does uh, uh, propose marriage. happened already. Yeah, uh, oh, that's right. Confirmed that's right. in the episode you weren't on, but she uh, for sure right. goes on a date with. Uh, that's the right. Of course, she goes on a date with the vampire, uh, the, the tiger beat vampires. Uh, so that <laughs> is confirmed. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, season five, episode nineteen. Willow will cast a spell to forget Tara. I highlighted this because um, Willow cast a cast a spell. For Tara to forget. So you got all of the <laughs> words right, just in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> so that's still open. She may still classic, do that. Yeah, that's just a classic Mike being super close in his predictions. Um, here's one where he was uh, close and right on. At the beginning of this season, Michael predicted that Tara and Willow will have magical sex in season six. So that is and definitely yeah, confirmed. <laughs> Uh, season six, episode three, uh, Michael made a super prediction in which he predicted that the Scooby gang, uh, will discover in season six that Buffy preferred being dead. So I think this one is super confirmed. Well done, Michael. Congrats, Mike. You got a super. Awesome. Uh, season six, episode six, just the last episode, Michael predicted that the dragon coin that Dawn steals is going to get Dawn into trouble. Now, 
Now that we know Dawn is stealing, do you think she got in trouble for stealing the dragon coin? I think she got in trouble for stealing something else, but right. she hasn't gotten in any trouble for stealing that dragon coin yet. No, 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 no. She technically got in trouble because she got kidnapped because she had the dragon coin. No, but it wasn't not the dragon what it was. coin. It was, yeah, it was the pendant. It was the pendant. Yeah, something else. Oh, it's not yeah, the Yeah, she same steals thing. the pendant in this episode. Oh, yeah. okay, never yeah. mind. I got confused. So that is open, I suppose. Could still happen. Okay, so one second, please. Blah, 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 blah. Cut this bit out later. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Is that the sound you make when you're reading, John? <laughs> yes, that's my reading sound. <laughs> Those are the, that's, that's what the sound of the circuits in his brain make when they're when they're active. <laughs> Which is not very often. Okay. Think too hard, the fan kicks on. <laughs> is that John just like blowing? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Michael, your overall accuracy has jumped up then from a 62.07 to a 62.69, dudes. And uh, your accuracy for season six has gone nowhere. It is it stayed exactly the same. Is the, no, that's because I didn't put the freaking numbers in right. God damn, I always do that. I was like, I was like how is that possible? There were so many confirmed predictions. Excuse me. And there was a super. And it, Problem is the super. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> There's so many ways the thing gets diluted with the supers. <laughs> well, I have new predictions, but I'll wait until the calculation is complete so I know where my numbers are at. These are the numbers I take the most seriously. <laughs> like what I owe in taxes, who cares? What's my current percentage accuracy in guessing what happens next in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Okay. It's like important. So I'm sorry. Your, your accuracy for season six has gone up as well from a 62.5 to a 65.52. There nice. we go. 3% jump. That's right, my friend. Okay. Well, I have some new predictions. Um, prediction one, Tara will take action against Willow in retaliation for the memory wipe in season six, episode eight. So I think in the next episode, she's going to take retaliation. And I wrote in relation. I mean retaliation. <laughs> Hold on. I'm an adult. Uh, my next one here is, I don't know when this will happen, but Lorne from Angel will acknowledge the existence of Sweet who is a fellow music lover. <laughs> There's no way they can't. That'll be really fun on Angel. Um, prediction three, Buffy will not see a therapist in season six. She needs it so bad, not going to get to see one. I feel like the, the hardest thing to be would be like, you know, tell me your story. The like, like that first <laughs> visit would be so impossible. Well, they need like a special like vampire Freud, you know, something like that. Um, I'm going to take it. Travis, you know, set this up. I'm going to take it. The bronze will get damaged again. <laughs> this is a safe bet. You don't even make that a super? Just keep No, because my super is going to be Spike and Buffy. Just keep putting points on that scoreboard. 
super is Spike and Buffy will have consensual consensual sex in season six. Will it be magical? Consensual. It's a form of magic. <laughs> Consent is not magic. Consent is the baseline. <laughs> it's magic. Okay. Oh my god. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, my boys? My boys. <laughs> my boys. <laughs> All right, then let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and dot com at Dennis Comics. That's D E N I S C O M I X. I have minis available. I got new comics posting on my Patreon pretty often nowadays. Uh, if you search Dennis St. John, Dennis with one N, you can find that stuff. Uh, I got books, you know, where I'm at. Uh, where else, where are other people at? What are people doing? Staying alive, my friend. All right. Keep alive. Keep alive. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us and we hope you are subscribing. Uh, we, you can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is Buffy Virgin Pod, and our Instagram is Buffy Virgin for Buffy Monster Drawings. Uh, you can check us out at BuffyVirgin.com. Reach out. We love to hear from you. And we'll see you in hell.